Now, throughout the season of Advent, I think we've all been focusing on preparing our hearts for the greatest gift that God has given the human race, his only begotten son. And, uh, you know, I've preached about how we should prepare a, a fitting place for him. Thinking of our hearts as, as a kind of, kind of inn, a humble inn in which he wants to be born. And I've tried to, you know, preach about the, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself as well as all of you, about the need to double down on, on our prayer, our silent prayer, um, of this theme of repentance that we heard, listening to John the Baptist calling us to repent, to confess our sins. And many of us, I know, have availed ourselves of the sacrament of penance this Advent season. Um, we had our, our big penance service on Tuesday this, this past week. So we could be renewed by Father's love and, and ready, uh, ready to welcome Jesus Christ into our hearts at, at Christmas. But um, here we are um, on this fourth Sunday of Advent, and the, the church is, I think, taking a step back now and showing us the big picture of how God the Father has been preparing for his son's coming. The, the coming of the, the one true king. And our readings today show us quite clearly how Jesus of Nazareth is the fulfillment of the covenant promises made to David, to King David of old. Our first reading is uh, the climactic, last divine covenant that's recorded in the Old Testament. Um, you you recall how God made multiple covenants, first with Adam, then with Noah and Abraham, and then all of Israel through Moses. And, and finally, he makes, in the Old Testament, he makes a covenant with David, the Davidic covenant, which is in a sense like a fulfillment of all the previous covenants in Scripture. And we heard today in our first reading about how this covenant came about. So when David became king, um, remember he conquered Jerusalem and he made it his capital. And there he built himself a palace to dwell in. And he informs, after he's finished building his palace, he, he goes and he informs Nathan, the prophet, that he intends to build a house, meaning a temple, for God, where the ark of the, of the Lord could be kept. And at first, Nathan enthusiastically agrees. He said, do whatever you, you wish. God is with you. But then Nathan receives a message from the Lord, and, and he prophesies that instead of David building a house for God, God would build a house, meaning a dynasty, for David. And God also promises David a descendant one day whose throne and kingdom will be established forever. And we see Nathan's prophecy partially fulfilled in King Solomon, who is the one to build the magnificent temple in Jerusalem. The, the temple was the dwelling place of God on earth. And it, that temple replaced the, the portable tent, you know, the tabernacle that had housed the Ark of the Covenant 
when Israel was journeying through the wilderness. So we have Solomon partially fulfilling this prophecy. Uh, and there are other kings after Solomon in this line, this, this Davidic line. And all of the kings, we're told in Scripture, were understood to become God's adopted sons on the day of their enthronement. You know, Psalm 2, uh, the second psalm says, quote, I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. So kings in this, in this Davidic kingdom, they're all adopted as sons of the Lord. But you know, the kingdom of David, it also stretched far beyond uh, the territory of, of Israel. And that same psalm, Psalm 2, goes on to say, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. So the kingdom of, of David really was meant to stretch to all the nations. And in theory, each of the, each of the kings were meant to be an embodiment of the Lord's justice on earth and his righteousness. But in practice, how did that, how'd that work out for Israel? Not so well, we know. Not so well. <laughs> uh, very few kings lived up to this ideal of being an embodiment of God's justice and righteousness. And we see how the Davidic monarchy suffered from the consequences of failing to live up to this, this, this call. And we see how the, the kingdom was divided eventually. We see how it suffered defeat and exile into Babylon. And, and all the way to the point of, of ceasing to exist. Have we seen any of these consequences in the church throughout history? We can point to many instances throughout history. Even up to the present day, the church continues to suffer from these negative consequences. And it's because of sin. And it's because of... Yeah... Um, I don't really know how else to say it, but what I'm what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say here, my point is that you know we you bet we've we've seen similar consequences today. My point is that the Davidic kingdom was a prefigurement of the church. The church is the fulfillment of the of the kingdom of David. And I came across this really good quote by um, a scripture scholar. Raymond Brown, which I, I found to be very poignant, very timely, um, and it, it just uh, was right on point. And he said, the, Raymond Brown said, the story of David brings out all the strengths and weaknesses of the beginnings of the religious institution of the kingdom for the people of God. The kingdom established by David is the closest Old Testament parallel to the New Testament church. And he goes on to say, to help Christians make up their mind on how the Bible speaks to 
essentially church issues. It would help, he says, if they knew about David and his kingdom, which was also God's kingdom, and whose kings, with all their imperfections, God promised to treat as sons. So, you know, was, was the Davidic kingdom, was it messy? Yeah, very messy. Is the church, which is the fulfillment of the Davidic kingdom, messy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Very messy. But despite all that messiness, and, you know, we, we, despite the headlines we see in the news today, and all the messiness, all the division, all the, um, all the scandal that, that we see today and have seen throughout history, despite all of that, Jesus Christ, who is God's son by nature, has fulfilled all of the promises that we see in our scriptures today, made to David of old, and has established God's temple in an altogether more glorious way, the temple of his risen body and the temple or dwelling place of God on earth of the church. He established it, and he established it forever. It will not fail. Jesus Christ is, is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Not with us temporarily. God with us forever. And of his kingdom, as, as Gabriel says to Mary, there will be no end. 